Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. And Cipher. 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 See, I had it wrong just all over. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. We are going to let some people roll in here really quickly. We will get going in about 30 seconds or so. So how are things down in Iowa today? Are you as dreary as we are from the wildfires? And It is beautiful here today, Faith. Um, oh. Yeah, it's it's great weather. We're in the upper 80s. Sun is shining, blue skies. Oh. This is this is my jam. This is. Yeah, mine. Oh, if I could ever get it. <laughs> yeah. The only downside to being in Iowa is that our busy season, purchase season is is the summer months and then we get to winter and that's when it's quieter. And so you're just always battling that, that desire to be outside. And <laughs> Ryan, it's seven here in Iowa. Ryan, you know, you know, I'm an Iowa girl. You didn't know that, Nathan. I'm an Iowa girl. I grew up right in the middle of the state. So, yeah. Yep. yep. We talked about that at uh, TMC in Chicago last fall. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. preferred to Minnesota. Sorry, Minnesotans that may be on the call because it's just far enough south that it's a little bit, uh, it's, a, it's 10 degrees consistently warmer than what we have here. And that's just enough to be like on the edge of being bearable. So yeah. Yeah. Well, appreciate everyone joining us uh, today for the last week in mortgage today. I'm Faith Howard Mooney, the VP of Member Engagement at the Mortgage Collaborative. And I have with me today a fellow Iowan, Nathan Cipher, who is the VP of Mortgage Lending at Green State Credit Union. So Nathan, thanks for doing this with me today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Appreciate the invitation. Yeah. So um, we've known each other for a while, and I think a lot of people um, know a little bit about Green State, but want to just give a little kind of synopsis of what your business looks like at the credit union. Yeah, so Green State is the largest credit union in the state of Iowa. Uh, we're roughly 11 billion in assets. We are the number one mortgage lender in the state of Iowa as well. Here, um, when you look at the surrounding states, we always see our, our friends at Rocket Mortgage on that. I somehow we have held our territory. We um, are the number one mortgage lender here for our membership. Uh, we've expanded so that field of membership just keeps growing. Uh, we're now over into Illinois um, and some surrounding states. So. It's been a fun journey here with with the credit union and the mortgage side um, with Green State. Well, congratulations to you. And you also just, you know, to give a plug, because we've got our conference in September coming up here. You guys won like the the most involved team within TMC last year. So um, it's great always to have your team members with us. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, to it here this fall. Yeah. Let's get started a little bit. I thought we would start by talking about a topic that it like it seems like now that people have engaged with it, it just like doesn't leave the news. And people within TMC have been talking about it for a long time, but I think it's hit like the broader audience, which is, you know, the great news about the DTAs being rescinded. Um, but it's kind of continued in that it's almost become, I think, a bigger topic out in the general public. So would love for you to kind of just share what you've heard and what yeah. people are now talking about related to those. Yeah. So like you said, great news that the DTI uh, loan level price adjuster was was waived, that that's not going to go into effect. But the bigger piece 
um, as we're out there and have our conversations is it's really helping the consumer understand what these mean. So it's, it's that frustration that, you know, if you are a 780 plus, you know, when you're posting these rates and doing those, those rate sheets, what goes into that from that standpoint, you know, members see those very aggressive rates that lenders post, but then there's so many nuances below it. And it's not just the consumers, it's the realtors. It's trying to help them understand that it's no longer just looking at, do you have 20% down? Do you have, you know, this, that, and the next, there is so much going into it. I was just on the phone with a loan officer just a little bit ago, having kind of a, a therapy session because she's like, <laughs> Nate, I, I, I've been doing this for 25 years. I thought I knew what I was doing. And now that rule book playbook has gone out the window and it's every day kind of makes me question what, what am I doing? Cause members, you're having that conversation over and over that they're like, well, why am I not getting this? What, what is that? And then it's the piece of, you know, lenders playing, you know, not everyone is doing the same thing with this. Um, I think that's the bigger concern is that you can manipulate the AMI you're using on a file a little bit. And I shouldn't say manipulate, but hey, if we drop this borrower's income, we're under, all of a sudden under 100% AMI. Have you looked at that um, when you're pricing out a loan scenario? So there's just so much going into it now that um, it's made life a little bit more difficult uh, yeah. for everyone. The world has definitely changed. And for some individuals that are about this now, it's kind of like mind blowing. Um, I like the word adjust instead of manipulate. Yeah. It's, I, would, I would use the word adjust. You can adjust it a little bit. Well, it's and it's just again the, the piece you have to be thinking about all of the different variables about a file. Okay, could we look at it this way? How can we, you know, again adjust and, and review it to get the borrowers and members the best uh, financing for their needs. Yeah, it's a little bit more, just like everything right now, it's a little bit more work to make sure that you're in ser- servicing them and, and getting them um, the best the best opportunity that you can yeah. for them as the consumer, for sure. Absolutely. Um, in the news this week is, well, purchases soaring. Um, you know, 85% of the mortgage share is purchased volume right now. I don't think that would surprise anyone just because of the rate environment that we're in. Um, but the other side of that is investor and second home purchases. So kind of bear with us kind of what you've seen, what is in your, I mean, you've got two completely different markets um, in your biggest market. So I would love to kind of hear what you're seeing yeah. related to that. Yeah, that market, you know, the purchase share, that's definitely, it's amazing that there's still 15% volume out there that's in refis, uh, to be frank, but there'll always, as my one of my first bosses said, there's always divorce and um, other things that come up that you need to refinance for. But from that standpoint is that we're we're uh, closer to lower 90s as far as purchase volume um, in, our, in our mix right now from that standpoint, Faith. And like we were kind of emailing about prior to this. Is that the the most amazing thing is is the the decline in second home and investment property purchases, that segment with those again going back to the LLPAs that have been put into place to to really focus the GSEs on what they think is their what they say is their intent is that it's it's home purchase the FHA has really pushed them to focus on that, but again we're seeing that is that it's in, it's it is adversely impacting is that affordability, you know for these other investors are a great resource for people to get into a market. Uh, for two reasons: a, create rentals, allow people to get you know started in a new market in a new city, but then also to build wealth. And so there's that that piece that we're seeing our investment purchases down. Ours are actually down closer to sixty percent. I was running some metrics ahead of this sixty percent year over year um, comparable, and that's just you know it's it's a little bit of a miss. And so we're starting to see 
people asking for opportunities or other places filling this this niche for financing investment in second homes. Um, and in market to differences, you know, we used to see a lot of people doing purchases in second homes in our, our surrounding states. We're just not even seeing those inquiries right now. Just when people see those, what they're getting quoted for for rates on a, a purchase. Well, and I would imagine just what's in the news as well. I mean, what's yeah. in the news related to what rates are in some ways can deter people from just even asking the question mm-hmm. about what rates really are. Because I think, I mean, when I go out, I'm sure it's the same for all of you probably on the call. Um, and you, if you're hearing other things, we would love for you to chat and give us some messaging in the chat as well. But it's like people have a very different opinion based on what they're hearing on the news. So I just had somebody, I was at the pool this weekend um, and they said, oh yeah, we'll always rates at 8%. And it's like, well, rates aren't at 8%. (laughs) But that's what they had gleaned from what they had heard. So for them, they're like, yeah, we won't be moving anytime soon because rates are at 8%. And it's like, well, that's not really where the market's at. They are higher. Um, but think about when you were 20 years younger, that they were at 12, 13, whatever it was when you purchased your first one. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of adapting. Well, exactly. I think it's it's one of those where you've got to look historically that this is these are still phenomenal rates. And we keep, I know our realtor partners in markets keep pushing that as having the conversation with one that it's, it's again, context. Um, you've got to look at that, that this is not that extreme is that you know they've they've seen i've got some realtors that have been in it long enough that they've seen double digit rates and so they're trying to really remind members of that um and again i think i've seen with our los they're getting so much more creative as far as marketing and messaging of this is that you know like amy smith here in our market one of the biggest things she's talking about is that rent is a hundred percent interest and again that there's an opportunity here that there's a you can start get your foot in that door and in this market, you're not competing against, you know, buyers when rates are in those lower, you're, you've got more opportunity now and look to refinance than down the road. And so it's it's really interesting how our team is really dusting off the old playbook and really getting creative and, and scrappy. I've really enjoyed seeing them um, doing some deep dives with, with realtors and members alike. That's a really good one. I like, I like what she's doing there. Yeah. That- that makes a lot of sense to me and I think would make a lot of sense to other people. Um, inventory, we're still struggling re- related to inventory, but I think you've seen some interesting things kind of related because inventory is a challenge in almost every market. So you want to share with me you know, some of the things that you've seen related to inventory struggles that are out yes. there? Yeah, so we're much like everywhere, I mean, inventories are just are, are off. Uh, again, we have a lot of great partners in the markets we work with. And so many of them are talking about that they have people that are on the, they're out there looking for a new home, but they aren't listing their home because they can't, it's, it's the chicken and the egg kind of thing going on here is they aren't doing anything. They're not listing their house because they haven't found that perfect next home Um, they want to. And so I think there's a, a, you know, misconception that it's all about, they're sitting on these rates. And I think there's people that will always, they're always families are growing. They have needs. They want to be somewhere different, and so we're we're seeing that um, that that play out in some in some ways. But we are there are those members that just are looking at the rates, going, "Okay, I'm going to hold off right now." And so inventory challenges um, are really pretty significant. And so you know, as as we were ch- chatting about prior faith, 
with it is that, you know, as we're going into this, when, when members and um, customers come into us, now more than ever, that pre-approval from a lender is playing such a crucial piece of the home buying process. We're really getting drilling down is that we're hearing in markets that realtors almost want like a full underwrite because they want to have that really strong confidence that that offer is going to go through. Granted, yes, they're going to have backups that someone else will come along and if a deal falls through, but they don't even want to risk that. They want to know that that is that solid, that they are good to go. And so we're seeing a lot of lenders change up you know, their strategies from that standpoint is that um, lenders and realtors, realtors are asking for different things in the letters. They want more clarification about what kind of financing that buyer is getting. Um, and so it's just, it's a very interesting time from that, from that standpoint. So pre-approval versus pre-qual. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so they, they want to know that assets, that income, they, those things are verified, kind of like relocation companies have always wanted through the years. Yeah. They're now asking for it on just offers of, of all shapes and sizes. It doesn't matter what price point. They want to know that this buyer really is going to be able to perform at the end of the day. Yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I'm sure you didn't know this, but my entree into the mortgage industry, I worked in the relocation industry for six or seven years. And I remember those days vividly that um, they, but in that case, it was their employers were looking to make sure that they were a good candidate to make the move and be able to uh, purchase a house. Again, though, they were doing subsidies back then. And that was back in the day where rates were 12, 13, 14 you know, sometimes upwards of 15%. So yeah, yeah, so very interesting. I would imagine there are some people on the call, chime in if you want in the chat, um, that um, have had to reanalyze their process then internally, um, you know, in maybe they were doing just a prequal before and I've had to look at, you know, do we really need to be doing a full pre-approval and possibly change our process to automatically go to underwrite? So that's, Super interesting feedback that I wouldn't have thought from the standpoint of our firm um, inventory struggle going on. So um, very interesting to hear that. Um, uh, Let's move on and talk about trying to think of where I want to go with this conversation. So um, U.S. labor market. Let's talk about that a little bit. Of course. You know, the debt ceiling, um, you know, I'm sure everyone on here has heard that Biden signed the bill. So we're, you know, out of out of harm's way for a little while here. Um, but no one seems to understand why the labor market continues to just kind of move merrily along. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, despite, you know, the Federal Reserve, you know, trying to get to that two percent. Um, goal. Um, any insight into that? Um, any insight into what you think will happen with rates related to that? Because we haven't hit that yeah. percent kind of mark. Well, it's it's interesting. That you, I mean, again, I think everyone was really hoping that with uh, Biden passing and sign, signing that bill, that rates would do something a little different than they have done. Um, there was that piece. I know a lot of LOs were sitting on the side going, "All right, I'm going to wait to lock some buyers in until." This happens. We really haven't seen any uh, any rates come down here this week as you know, we look at the the ten year Treasury from from the current standpoint. Um, but it is interesting that the you know the U.S. economy just continues. We always look at the jobs report and it just keeps, like you said, Faith, chugging along. And, and it's 
pretty remarkable. And, but on the flip side, you know, uh, putting it spitting to our industry is I feel like we've had a couple of deals where members have quit their jobs unexpectedly and they were able to find jobs rather quickly. So I don't know if that's a positive thing in the current environment or not, but yes, the, I know a lot of our team was really hoping that with the debt ceiling issue uh, being quote unquote resolved, that we'd see a little difference, a little improvement in the rates and just hasn't happened just yet. I'm going to go back and use that word adjusted related yeah. to the ceiling. Because <laughs> I kind of feel like that's what it is. It just kind of gets pushed down the road a little yeah. bit further so that we, I'm not quite sure why it always gets to the point where it's an immediate thing that needs to happen. It can't be worked out a little bit sooner than yeah. that. But, well, first, um, that's going to be my, my takeaways. The word adjusted uh, today. I'll start using it. I know my team will appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> make an adjustment instead. Um, not surprising. Um, lending Q1 falls to a 23-year low. Um, 1.25 million mortgages originated in the first quarter of 23. Um, fewest since late uh, 2000, or yeah, since late uh, 2000s. Not surprising there. Um, I don't know, you know, what your opinion is. You're obviously in growth mode regardless of where the industry is at now. And I think a lot of our lender members are. Um, they're taking advantage of the opportunity to expand in other markets and potentially merge with some people as well. Um, any thoughts as we move into summer months and, you know, further than into the fall and winter? We're both in markets where seasonality does impact yeah. you for sure. Um, any thoughts on where kind of from your vantage point you see things going for the rest of the year? We, you know, I, I think as people get, you know, going back to the rates piece where you were talking that people are seeing these rates as they get more normalized, that this is, this is the market we're in and that it's not going to be going anywhere immediately. I think people are starting to just to, okay, take a step back and go, you know what? Okay. If I am going to do something, I need to just, that piece will weigh in. I'll be looking at the payment but it's more of, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to jump into this market. And we're seeing the, the seasonality definitely, you know, the, the volume here in June, July is up that typical kind of bell curve that we usually see. We're right on pace for that, but it is a different, it's a different volume from that standpoint, for sure. Um, and the LOs, you know, that have been in this, they know how this works is that you're going to have those good years. Um, like we've seen the last three and you're going to have years like this where you're, you're it's a little tougher. But, you know, again, as I was talking to another one just before we got on this call, that it's that mindset that you, you know, you've got to hustle and grind um, and get out there and show your realtor partners, your, your members, the value you can bring to them and the different strategies to getting in this market. Um, they, they, if they can get, if you can get through this year, I keep telling the team, if you can get through this year, you can get through anything in mortgage um, from that. So it's keeping a positive attitude and, and spin on things. Yeah, it definitely has. I know um, we obviously rolled out TMCU um, earlier this year and have some business development classes that are available to people. It definitely has kind of taken the LO um, strategy back to much more of a, instead of like an order taker, yeah. more a con they're having to be, cons you know, valued financial consultants at this point. And um, if there are people that adjust to that really well, I would think that they would still have great opportunities in the industry. For people that came in a little bit later and were only involved during the 
you know, the I've got loans falling out of the trees kind of thing, it's probably a little bit harder than the people that have been in before and gone through these cycles. Oh, you hit the nail on the head on that one is that I can tell which of my loan officers have been through the 0809 cycle and those that have come in post that season, just because the ones that have not seen a cycle like that are really, they're, they're panicking. They're like, I'm not, they've not done that as much as I think a lot of the people on this call can relate as you try to coach and, and get the team to get out dust off the playbook in 2022. It's like, okay, this is coming. It's going to be a little different. It's going to look different. We're going to, have to engage differently. Um, and some took that that call and, and they took heed and they got out and did that. And then those that are a little late to the game, they're finally doing that. They finally did that here in the beginning of the year. And they're, they're you know, realizing that that you've got to get out and, and do these things and engage differently. But it is interesting, the difference. You can kind of tell who's been in it for, for a, a while and who's new entrance from that, that standpoint, Faith. Who's new in it, when they get one, it's like such a celebration. Yeah. What it it used to be. It's like hang on to those moments this year and celebrate greatly when one of those things happen. Um, I don't know if you've listened to past shows, but I always love it when I learn a new term in the industry that I have never heard before. It seems like we're always making up little acronyms and new (laughs) terms. So the one for this week was social housing. Had you ever heard of that before? Or is it, you know, just me that's that's kind of like behind the times that I had not heard of social housing? So it's funny you brought this, bring this up as I was talking to, again, just conversations you have. Um, and the, I think part of it was they were talking about um, how, you know, communities built around. I think we're starting to see this in one of our markets. That they're building communities around kind of central common areas, not, not a typical condo um, or a co-op, but it's really that they're building these, you know, communities that are around that and designed for that, bringing different generations together, Faith. Um, and there's, we're starting to kind of see that, um, it's, I think it's a European kind of housing approach, but we're starting to see that in our markets. And, and I hate to say this, it starts on the coast. It seems to end up in the Midwest last, um, but once it does, it it means that it's getting some, some roots to it, right? Yeah. Uh, from that standpoint. And so we we're seeing that a little bit is that there's this, you know, this kind of different way of, of living is that, you know, we we're seeing different borrower applications. We're having, you know, I had an LO reach out. Is it allowed to have two couples buy a house together um, on an application as a primary? So it's, it's that, you know, it's, just, it's multiple family units under one roof that we're starting to see some interest in to share those expenses um, on the housing front. And it's, it's interesting, um, but it's, you know, something to, to keep an eye on for sure. But yeah. yeah, social housing. Yeah. So for people that hadn't and hadn't heard this, um, California lawmakers, um, because of course, as you just said, coastal, coastal first, and then into the Midwest is very typical. Um, where they're trying to spur growth in affordable housing, um, and have passed some bills focused on streamlining rules around approval. Um, and one of it is a European model. Um um, subsidized from private development. Um, and it's a term really for government or nonprofit ownership um, of some of these places with the intention of keeping the homes in a permanently affordable situation. 
Um, it's, but tenant, but this is a little bit different than, you know, maybe what we had seen in the past and that the tenants have decision-making power, um, in some of the things they're also looking at it apparently in the, um, in the California market, um, as a counter to homelessness in that market. So I think, you know, anywhere where we have those situations where people are just having a hard time, even finding any available housing, um, sounds like if you're seeing it in the Midwest, it sounds like it has gained some trans traction um, on the coastal areas. So social housing, that's the phrase for, for this week. Um, inventory dropping. We talked about this a little bit, but um, San Jose, California, steepest decline. 35% um, fewer homes listed for sale this year. Um, probably goes back to the rate environment. People not want to, wanting to move out of that two and a half and below um, kind of interest rate. Again, coastal though, Sacramento, Hartford, Connecticut, San Diego. And then as it gets into the lesser numbers, it kind of moves into Cincinnati, Milwaukee. And um, it looks like the, the Midwest follows that trend. Yeah. <laughs> well, as it doesn't have quite as big of an up and down and um, impact on that. Um, I thought it was interesting, and this kind of goes a little bit back to like the social housing um, commentary. And I know that we've had this in my market, would be interested in anybody on the call, if you have this in yours as well, with inventory as low as it is. I happen to reside in a community where I am in a townhome, um, but up until I would say three years ago, our community kind of almost opposed multifamily housing. Um, I don't know if you see that in the world that you reside in at all, um, but would be interested in kind of hearing whether you've seen that in some communities as well. Yeah, I think, Faith, I mean, that's one of the things that we see um, was working with Polk County Housing Trust um, Authority here. And there was that sentiment that they don't want to see multifamily units in residential neighborhoods. Um, they do kind of those, those if not yearly, um, semi-annually, sem every other year studies where you know, what is the sentiment of filling in? And so in those neighborhoods where there is potential for infill, the proposal, you know, most people wanted to see that uniformity in their neighborhood, but I think people are coming around to opportunities that like a multifamily can bring um, as far as just from a variety of standpoints, diversity, but then just a different um, potential. I think people worry about what that's gonna do for home values. But again, as we start to see this more normalized that, that there's this opportunity to put um, affordable housing in that is multi-units in some neighborhoods, you're going to kind of start to see that sentiment change. And, and the Polk County Housing Trust has seen that too, that that really, it was a very staunch, no, we don't want that in our neighborhood to now. It's like, all right, now there's some opportunity. We see this, um, we're seeing that change um, here in the market in Iowa. Yeah. And that's what my, um, the community that I've resided in or around um, since 1987 was very much that way, that there was nothing and I'm in a beautiful neighborhood that's primarily all multifamily dwelling, but then they built these like row house type structures almost um, that fit right into the neighborhood. I feel very fortunate to be here. Zillow did a study that I came upon, which was the reason why I brought this up, that that trend is changing um, and that, um, you know, that middle of the road housing people, all people are seeing that there's a deficit in like mid-range housing that people can actually afford, 82% of adults support 
building more housing in neighborhoods um, that are multifamily dwellings that address now that doesn't take away the other issues of municipalities keeping up with things or land being available. Um, but it was nice to kind of, you know, see the positive sentiment around that maybe changing a little bit. Um, I know here part of the reason why they've done that is um, they agree that um, having multifamily housing supports businesses in different ways than just having single family housing, just from the sheer population of people moving into your area. Um, and so, yeah, so I think there are some other aspects of, of that, that it was just kind of nice to see that positive um, positive uh, feedback that people are kind of adjusting their thought processes to new, yeah. and, different, new and different things. I think you're but, seeing that with, but you're seeing that with like accessory dwelling units that we're seeing more zoning, allowing those. And so it's, again, that's that continuation of policy catching up to public sentiment that they're starting to realize, okay, there's opportunity to make some changes and changing, changing zoning from that standpoint can allow that um, to help solve some of these housing issues we see in our markets. I think in mar our market, and I'm kind of kidding when I say this, but I'm not completely kidding at the same time. I think in the market that I'm in, they see it as a great advantage to try to reduce their HOA fees. <laughs> perspective. It's that, it's that social housing piece, right? Like you can spread some of the costs, socialize them from that standpoint. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that that is what it is. Well, we are right at the bottom of 30 minutes, which like I always say this at the end, that it just seems like it goes by um, so fast. Yeah. But that seems like a great place to start. As always, it is amazing to talk with you. Make sure you tell the whole entire team um, that we from TM, the TMC family say hello. It's always amazing hello. to talk with you. And I really appreciate just being able to have this nice half an hour conversation with you. So always great, Faith. Yep. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for you. joining us, everybody. We'll be back here. Same place, same time next week. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.